Amen. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Um, I thought worship was fantastic, by the way. I just, I'm so grateful for our, for our team every week, huh? Aren't they awesome, what they do? I just love you guys. So we've learned over the last three weeks that God has a plan for cities, and he has a plan for large cities. Over 10 million people a month move into major cities around the world. Over 50% of the world's population is now in major cities. People are leaving the country, they're leaving the sticks, they're leaving rural areas, and they're moving into metropolitan areas. So God has a plan for cities. God has a plan for major cities because they have resources, they have name recognition, they have influence. That if God could do something in Las Vegas, it would send... um, it would send literally shockwaves around the world. It would be awesome if God did a great work in my hometown, Belen, New Mexico, population 1,700. But even if God does something great in Belen, ain't nobody gonna hear about it, amen, because it's Belen. But if God can do something great in a city like Las Vegas through a people like us, the world would hear about it and it could literally bring change and it could literally shift destinies over whole regions for the future. This is God's plan. God has a plan for cities. God loves cities, and God has a plan for this city. God loves this city. I don't know what the last preacher told you, but Jesus loves Las Vegas. Jesus loves you, and Jesus has a plan to use you in your city. It's my city, and it's my responsibility. So I want to give you three things very quickly, because I don't want to preach too long, because I preach way too long in the 10 o'clock. Number one, God has a plan for our city, And it involves you. God has a plan for our city, but it involves you. Not God has a plan for our city and it involves us. No, it involves you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's going to do something great with city life. No, no, no. It involves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a church. No, it involves you. God has a plan for our city and it involves you. God had a plan for Israel and it involved Moses. And now God has a plan for Las Vegas, and it involves you. Now, I want you to catch this, because God could have called Moses to a lot of places. There was a lot of people in need, but he called Moses to that place. And I believe God has called you to this place, the cry of the people Israel. Moses was an Israeli. Moses was a Hebrew, and now he's being called to the Hebrews. You live in Las Vegas, the first place God is going to call you is to Las Vegas. So I want you to get this in your spirit. I am here, God has called me here, and I have an assignment here. And I, just want, I just want that to get in your spirit today. I, I am here, I, I'm not in California, I'm not in Tulsa, I'm not in Miami, I'm not in New York, I'm not in Seattle. I'm here, and, and if I'm here, God has called me here, and if God has called me here, I have an assignment here. I, I may not have known that when I got here, but I know it now. For some of you, it's hard to believe because for some of you, this is your first Las Vegas summer and you didn't know what hot was like until you felt hot. And you said, I miss God. I need to go, I need to go back. I need to go, I need to go, I need to go, I need to go back to Arkansas. No, you don't. Especially Arkansas. Amen. But I mean, that's for Arkansas to deal with. You, you, (laughs) 
You were excited until you felt those Vegas winds come in the winter, and you're going, I don't, no, no, no. You may not have known it at first, but you are here. God has called you here, and you have an assignment here. God could have called Moses anywhere, but he called him to his city, and God could have called you anywhere, but he's calling you to your city. He's calling you to reach the people that you live with, that you know, that you love, that you're around. So, preacher, what is my mission field? Well, if you're in Vegas, your mission field is your city. You've got to feel the burden. You've got to see the need. You've got, to, you've got to want to help bring change to this city because it's the city that God has called you to. Now, look what God does in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is telling people what happens when the Spirit of God comes upon them. You will receive power. And we did that Monday night, uh, two Mondays ago. As many people received the power of the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. But let me tell you why we receive power. To be a witness. Where? In Jerusalem. Do you know where Jesus said this when, when he said that? Do you all know where he was at? <laughs> like, I'm kind of setting you up to win. You're going to look like a Bible scholar in front of that hot girl you're sitting next to. You all ready? Do you know where Jesus said uh, this? Jerusalem. Oh, man. Straight A student right here in the front. Though you're sitting by your buddy, so it's weird. I don't know where your wife is, but <laughs> I was trying to help you win some points. Bible scholar. Jesus was in Jerusalem, and he said, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you're going to reach the place you're at. Then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the, of the earth. Could you be called to China? Sure. Could you be called to Australia? Sure. Could you be called to Brazil? Sure. Could you be called to Africa? Sure. But you prove your calling by what you do in the city you're in. And the power of God will only flow in the place you're at. Jesus said, I want to give you power, but it's power to be a witness in your city, in your world, in the place you live and eat and breathe and work and hang out. And he said, I'll make you a witness. I'll empower you. Notice that. I'll empower you for your city. People talking about, oh, Las Vegas is dark and Las Vegas is heavy and Las Vegas, as long as you're complaining, you'll never receive power. But if you'll stop complaining and start receiving power, Las Vegas will become easy. Las Vegas will become awesome. You'll start celebrating all the sunshine and going, dear God, I don't know how those people do it in other cities. I need my sunshine. I love my heat. I love being crispy as bacon, hallelujah, in the summer. I love this. I love that there's no California traffic. I love that I don't have to deal with Houston drivers. I love that I don't have to deal with crazy people from Seattle. Oh, I love my city. Why? Because you stop complaining about it and you start receiving and now what used to be hard or heavy or oppressed or whatever these weird religious people say, all of a sudden you go, I love my city. I'm called to my city. I've been anointed for my city. I got power for my city. Can I get a witness from somebody? You're called here. God wants to do a great work here. Number two, you're called more specifically to your world, your world. So we've established your call to Vegas, but now you're established. I want to get, I want to, I want to drill down even a little deeper. You're called to your street. You're called to your Starbucks that you go to every day and see the same people. <laughs> Not one amen, but y'all know it's true. So <laughs> I don't know why you're lying, but you're called to your movie theater that you go to. You're called to your same four restaurants that you eat at every week. Come on, somebody. I know. <laughs> You're called to your Whole Foods or your Albertsons or your 
a Trader Joe's or your Smith's or whatever, wherever you, you're called to that, you're called to that target. Come on, lady, don't act like you don't have your target, especially all the mamas. When you just hand your children to your husbands and say, I'm going to target. It's counseling. It's, it's, it's better than the best therapist in our city, but it's probably as expensive. Amen. How many know it's the truth? I just need to go to Target for chapstick, and you walk out $400. Like, what did I don't, why did I buy a pool? Why, how did I do this? You're called to your Target. You're called to your place. So not first to the world, not first to the nations, not first to strangers. That's why we don't hand you signs to go walk down on the strip with a microphone and go, everybody down here needs Jesus. We don't do that because those people don't even live in our city. They're from El Paso. Let El Paso deal with them. (laughs) And they're weird anyway, those people who walk around like that. That's not, I'm still, and okay, anyway, I don't even want to. I just want you to know we don't do that. I just felt like I needed to tell somebody it's your first time. You're going, I wonder if these are the guys with, no, we're not. We're not that guy. He looked for the, no, it's not me. I'm the guy in the Transformers. Anyway, no, so uh, I'm the guy in that cracked out Mickey that's like, hey, <laughs> y'all know it? Y'all know that Spider-Man that's way too skinny? You're like, what's going on under there? Anyway, uh. I just want to tell you thank you, by the way. The 10 o'clock was so boring. I just love you. I don't know who y'all are, but I just thank God for you. You're all going to heaven. You're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. You're going. Okay, now. Dear God, I hope we're filming this service because I hated the 10. I just feel like I need to be honest about it. And don't edit that out, Omar. Leave it. I, 10 o'clock, I don't know what was wrong with you today. Okay. So you're called to, to your city. God was calling Moses to his people. God's calling you to your people. Now, now let me show it to you in the New Testament. Mark chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 says, Jesus refused to let him go. Now, now let me explain what's happening in Mark chapter 5. This man was just gloriously saved and delivered. And this man goes to Jesus and says, I want to be one of your followers. I want to serve you. I want to walk with you. I want to be one of your disciples. I, I, I don't know what's up with that guy, Judas, but something seems off about him. I just feel like I need to be close to you. I, I, he, and he tells, he tells Jesus, Jesus, I want to be one of your 12. I want to be one of your disciples. Jesus, I think I'm called to the world. I think I'm called to ministry. I think I'm called to go with you wherever you go. And Jesus says, No. Look what he says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Jabin, I want to go to the world, but you got to start at home. Jabin, I feel called to those strangers, but it's got to start with your friends. Why would God trust you with strangers if he can't trust you with friends? Why would he trust you with nations if he can't trust you with your hometown? you got to feel this, y'all. you got to feel this in your heart. And he says, tell them what happened. Tell them about the mercy I showed you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis all the law of God, starting with Moses. Wait. No, he, do, he doesn't share scripture, does he? So Starting with the Proverbs, no. no. He started teaching from the Psalm, no. 
This man didn't know any Bible. He, was, he had 2,000 demons in him two minutes ago. He didn't know the scripture yet. But he went out and proclaimed what Jesus had done for them. And that amazed people. Now, should you know the word? Yes. I did a whole message about it last week. Please go get the, the podcast so you know I'm not crazy. It's, it's on the podcast. It's on YouTube. I, I taught about reading your Bible last week. So, so please don't get it twisted. But what I'm telling you is, is what your friends don't believe in Jesus. And they don't know the Bible. So don't argue about things that they don't know about and you don't know about. So you tell a friend about Jesus, well, yeah, but you know, I was watching this YouTube of Richard Dawkins and he was saying that, um, you know, the Bible contradicts it. You know what? Just stop him and go, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. We'll go talk to Jabin about it Sunday. But until then, let me tell you how Jesus radically changed my life. Let me tell you how he had mercy on me. Let me tell you how he saved my soul and healed my heart and gave me hope again and gave me a spiritual family. Let me just tell you what he's done for me. I don't know what happened with that. And I don't know about all the contradictions that you claim there are in this book. But I do know what he did for me. Tell your story. Jesus said, we just read it. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will be my witnesses, not you will be my attorneys. Well, I got to know the four spiritual laws and I got to have Romans memorized and I got to know how it fulfills what, how Adam fell in the garden and how Jesus conquered in the garden and I got to be able to connect the cross to the first tree. And No, no, let me deal with all that stuff. I'll be theological for you. I just need you to tell your story. You don't need to be an attorney. Just be a witness. When you're a witness in court, you don't need to have all the reasons. You just go, that dude pulled out and he hit that dude. That's, I saw it. That's what happened. <laughs> but why did he pull out there? And why, and why was he speeding? And why was the light red and not green? I don't know. I'm just telling you what happened. You don't need to know everything. You just got to know the one thing that Jesus has done in your life. And you can say, I'm different. I was one way. I'm a Jesus. I'm a different way. This happened in the, in, the, in the Bible in John chapter 9 when a blind man gets healed. And they go, when did he heal you? And how did he heal you? And what did he look like? And he goes, stop, 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 stop. I don't know any of that. All I know is that I was blind. And now I see. That's what I know. And that's all you need to know. And that will amaze people. What does our city need from us? Our city needs us to take responsibility for our own testimony and tell our own story. And the Bible said he proclaimed it. Well, Jabin, I don't know how to proclaim. Proclaim is a fancy Bible word for opening your Instagram and sharing an IG story of that bomb food you ate last night. Oh, come on, somebody. When you go to a new restaurant and the food comes out, you don't go, oh, man, I want to eat it. You go, give me my phone. I need to take a picture. You know what? That, that's proclaiming. You're not sharing all the ingredients. You don't know how it got cooked. You don't know everything that went into it. You just know it's blessing your life. I don't know how many stories I've seen this week of people getting in the theater, feet up, Incredibles 2 about to be lit, click. 
You, you already know how to do it. You did it with The Incredibles this week. You did it with Black Panther a couple of weeks ago. You know how to tell your story. You know how to give your testimony. You know how to proclaim something. All you got to do is say it. One of our, our favorite restaurants selling strips is called Mastro Steakhouse, but we don't even go for the steak. We don't eat the steak. We go and order the warm butter cake. Yes, Lord. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yea, I say unto thee, in the last days. I, no, no, I, no, I feel like prophesying when I talk about it. It is fire. It is awesome. I tell everybody about it. I tell them, skip the steak. Buy that at Walmart. Eat that before you go. And then go and get you some coffee and get you some warm butter cake. And people always ask the same thing. What's a warm butter cake? I don't know how to explain it. I just know it's warm and buttery and makes it feel all good inside like Jesus loves you again. You know what I'm saying? Like there's hope. <laughs> What's it made out of? Very dust and hope. I think that's what it's made out of. I don't know. Now, we'll let the chef work on that. Let me work on the ingredients. All you need to do is take the picture. Tell the story. Let everybody know I'm different. Jesus changed. I started going to this church in a cafeteria, and the worship is changing my life, and the preacher's changing my life, and the word of God is changing my life, and I'm not who I was before, and God has had mercy on me, and I'm different. And what God did for me, friend, he can do for you. Jesus says, go back to your friends. Go back to the people you know, and you don't have to be an attorney. All you have to do is tell your story. Jesus will do the rest. Go to your home. Go to your friends. Tell your family, the people you know, the coffee shop you go to, the, the neighbors you live by, the coworkers you work with, and proclaim. Look at this on the screen. Jesus is saying you don't need to be in ministry to be a minister. You don't need a stage to be an influencer. And you don't need a microphone to change the world. By the way, I am not the influencing force in this church. You are. I'm not called to influence you. I'm called to teach you, feed you, and pray for you. That's, that's my call. I don't tell you what to do. I just tell you what God has said. You are the, you are the person who's going to bring friends to church. You're the person who's going to change the spiritual atmosphere of this church. You're the person that's going to help build this church. It's, it's you, and you don't need to be on a stage to do it. You don't need a microphone to do it. You don't need to be called pastor to do it. You just got to do what you can do. You go home to your people, and you tell them your story about your Jesus, and he'll do the rest. Can I get an amen? One more, one more. One more. So how do I go? How do I do it? What do I do next, preacher? How do, where, where do we go from here? As I, as I share this last point, I want you to do this. On your seat where these invites, I want you to hold them in your hand. I just want you to be conscious of them. Conscious of them. And if you're a note taker, hold them with your other hand. But just, but just keep them in your hand. Or put them, put them right there on your lap, somewhere where you can see. I just want you thinking about these. I just want you thinking about these. So God said... Exodus, I've come down and I've personally with my own eyes, I've seen the need of the people. I hear their cry. I see how they're being beat up by their enemies. And Moses says, oh God, I'm so glad you've seen it. Fix it. And God says, no, 
you fix it. Oh, God, I'm so glad you see the needs of the people in our city. Do something about it. And he says, no, you do something about it. God said, God said, I've heard their cries. You know what that is? That's a, that's a picture of prayer. God says, I hear their prayers. They're crying out, God, if you're real. God, if you're out there. God, if, you're, if you still love me. God, uh, if, 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 if God, if, if Jesus, if you're out there like my mama told me, you're out there, I need you to help me. And God says, I hear their cry. But listen, you are the answer to their prayer. See, I love when God answers my prayer, but I really love when I get to be the answer to a prayer. He said, Moses, you are their answer. Moses, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna do it through you. But I will never do it without you. I said that right there at the beginning. I just want to say it again. Without God, we cannot. But without man, he will not. This is God's plan. This is before Drake was ever around. This is God's plan, and you're a part of it. And everyone over 40, God bless you. (laughs) But see, God is here. But he uses people. I've come down, now you go. There was an awesome story, and Jorge, you can come up. There was an awesome story of um, Mother Teresa. She was on the streets of Calcutta where she gave her whole life to orphans and widows and uh, leper colonies and the sick and the broken and the poor. She gave her decades and decades to a city. She gave decades to a city. Why don't you stop trying to figure out how to leave this city and why don't we give decades to a city? And this journalist came from the UK. He was, a, he was an atheist. And after a week of interviewing and following her, he said, Mother Teresa, I must be honest with you with all due respect. I respect you, but, but where is God? Where is God with those orphans? Where is God with those leper colonies? Where is God in the hospitals? Where is God with the poor and the disease? How can you, how can you say there's a God? I am in Calcutta. There is no God in Calcutta. Mother Teresa so graciously looked back at him and smiled and said, Sir, God is always near to the broken. But sir, I've been here 30 years and I've never seen you once. The question, sir, is not where is God? The question is, where are you? And I just want to ask. The question is not where is God in Sin City? The question is, where's the church? Is that challenging? I hope so. Does that make me uncomfortable? I hope so. I hope we're not comfortable 
that we are in one of the highest sex trafficked cities in America. I hope we're not comfortable that we're one of the highest homeless rates in America. I hope we're not comfortable that we have one of the highest suicide rates in America. I hope we're not comfortable that we have the highest divorce rate in America. I hope we're not comfortable with that. I don't want to judge it. I want to love it. I want to help it. I want to serve it. I want to be there for these people. I, I, I don't want to be comfortable. I want to pit in my stomach. Where is God? The question is, where is the church? And as the church continues to pray for a move of God, God continues to demand a move of man. So we pray, God, send revival to Vegas. And he goes, that's a great idea. Tag, you're it. God, change our city. Oh, I would love to. You're in. Oh, God, we need a revival. I agree. Get off the bench and get in the game. I hear my pastor, I hear Jensen saying, get off of your blessed assurance and do something for God. I just feel him as, as I could just hear him saying it. And I just want to tell somebody, I, Get off that, uh, uh, you can't say padded pew because these are the worst chairs on the planet. Get off that uncomfortable chair and get uncomfortable for God. God, oh man, hear me, hear me. God will never do what you can do. <laughs> but if you'll do what you can do, God will do what you cannot do. I call it supernatural. What, what's supernatural? Supernatural is when the church does everything they can in the natural. <laughs> so we get here at 6 a.m. We start loading trucks at 5 a.m. We start unloading pods at 5.40 a.m. We start, we, we transform this cafeteria with pipe and drape and speakers and, and children's ministry that's going on over there and signs and, and we, we do everything we can do in the natural. And then we believe that at 10 a.m. when the first service starts, the, the super comes upon our natural. And something supernatural happens. God will not do what we can do. But if we'll do what we can do, God will do what we cannot do. So Jesus wants to raise his best friend from the dead. John chapter 11. He wants to raise Lazarus from the dead. And right before he's about to say those famous words, some of the most famous words in all your Bible. Right before he says, Lazarus, come forth. He says, hey, uh, disciples, church, you roll away the stone. And could I submit to you that he will not raise the dead till we roll away the stone? But the moment the disciples did what they could do, Jesus did what only he can do. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. Preachers ask me every week, every week a preacher says, how do you set up, tear down, lead worship and preach? That seems hard. 
Stone rolling ain't easy. But I can't raise the dead. Tried, still can't do it. (laughs) I can't heal the sick. Tried, can't do it. I can't restore marriages. Tried, can't do it. I can't turn the heart of a person that is turned away from God. Tried, cannot do it. I cannot manipulate. Tried, cannot do it. I cannot do it. So I must be faithful to do what I can do. So we, so we load vehicles and we push carts and we set down chairs and we set up stages and we, and we set up instruments and our worship team gives hours and hours of their week away for free to serve you. Why? Because we roll in stones, baby. We're doing what we know to do. And then we believe that somewhere on a Sunday morning, Jesus would come with his Holy Spirit and he would start raising the dead. He would start, he would start healing hearts. He would start restoring hope. He would start saving souls. I cannot raise the dead, but I can roll away the stone. And if I'll do what I can do, God will do what he can do. How do y'all know what this is? Hey, 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 I need you to roll away a stone this week. Some of y'all looked at it like, oh my God, what did he give me? No, it's not, no. Put it up in the air real quick. Put it up in the air, hands up. I need you to roll away a stone this week. I need you to think of five people you can put them down. I need you to think of five people that you can invite next week. A thousand? No, five. A hundred? No, five. Every person in my workplace? No, five. I just need you to push a stone out of the way this week and look at somebody dead in the eye and go, hey, Jesus has changed my life. Can you come to church with me next week? I just, I need some stone rollers.